Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. For the past five years, the St. Louis-based service organization Optimist International has hosted a high-stakes international speech competition for students. And this year, for the first time, the winner came from right here in the St. Louis region. Jalen Mutchison is a recent graduate of Belleville West High School, and his victory came with $15,000 in prize money. That grew to $22,500 if you count what he made winning at the regional and state level of the contest. And Winning the 2020 Oratorical World Championships wasn't even Jalen's first national prize of the year. The National Association for Speech and Debate also named him its 2020 National Student of the Year. And joining us today to talk about how he's winning these big prizes is Jalen Mutchison. Jalen, welcome to the show. Hi. (laughs) So $22,500 from Optimist International alone, that is a lot of money for a new high school graduate. What are you planning to do with your winnings? It's all going to college. (laughs) Good for you. I feel like your mother can approve of that answer. Yes, she would. (laughs) (laughs) And you had said uh, when when we spoke yesterday, you said this is actually enough to pay for a pretty big chunk of school. Um, How much of it do you feel like at this point you have covered due to your winnings from from speech and debate? I can't accurately tell you, but I, I feel comfortable saying that I might be set for at least my first year or two for college, at least. That's huge. So you first went into speech um, when you were a freshman in high school. What originally got you into this? Did you you feel the, yes, there's going to be big money in my future if I just sign on to this early? (laughs) No, that's definitely definitely not what I was thinking. Um, No, um, I I definitely got into speech and acting by the friends that I was surrounded by. Actually, uh, an upperclassman that I shadowed when I was in eighth grade kind of forced me to do it. and honestly, it was like one of the best things that could have ever happened for me. I, I was able to go to the audition and it was, you know, anyone who performs knows like that feeling you get at the bottom of your stomach. But um, honestly, it was like one of the best decisions I could have ever made. Not just because, you know, eventually I would have gotten money to help me get me through college, mm-hmm. but it's taught me so many life values. It's helped me steer my path to what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I know I have so many experiences that I just will never forget because of the decision for me to start doing things like speech and debate and getting into theater. Mm -hmm. So I'm really thankful to those activities and communities for bringing me up as the person that I am today. Did you feel um, an immediate connection to speech or did it take some time to grow on you after, after you first joined? I will say that when I first joined, anyone who joined Speech and, the, and speech and debate knows that it kind of takes some time to get used to it, but I was already intrigued by it. I already started watching so many videos of past state winners and all that. And um, But I think the real connection happened at the end of my freshman year when I was fortunate enough to go to a national tournament with my team. Hmm. And um, I don't know why it was, you know, we didn't really didn't, we really didn't do super great that year, but I remember we were watching some of the people who are winning because they have live rounds. And I saw them. I don't know. It's just it's something inspired me about, I think, just the wonder of knowing that your voice can get this far like on the national stage to be able to have something that you care about, that you worked hard on to get to that level. Like and that really inspired me. And so since then, I, I've kind of like taken everything that I've done with speech and theater and thought about it as in this is my chance to tell something that I think is important to me. Hmm. And 
anytime that I get the chance or the platform to speak about the things or to do a piece, I always make sure to think about how do I want to leave the audience feeling? What is the message that I want this audience to go away from thinking about? So I think once I learned and kind of perceived that, once I saw that and like, you know, fully developed, you know, that, that thinking process of, I want to leave somebody with something that they didn't come in with. Hmm. I think that really inspired me. Now, generally, um, when you're in these speech competitions, do they choose the topic, or is it sometimes that you get to decide it's wide open what you want to talk about? It really just depends on where you're at. Like, in for my school, um, our coach is really lenient with us as far as like letting us pick what we want to do hmm. because he understands that you know we're going to perform better if we're doing something that we want to do. Um, but there are definitely some other regions where their coaches uh, pick out scripts for them or pieces for them, and they just do it because that's what their coach tells them to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there's something special about the hard work of finding a piece, cutting it to the way you want, and making sure that you that you feel that this is what you want to talk to people about. I think there's a different type of – it's a different type of ball game once you come. It's different from – just doing what you're told to do and doing what you want to do. Yeah, I appreciate that your coach uh, at Belleville West has given you the freedom. You can choose things you're really passionate about. That probably makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Now, with this Optimist International contest, um, I understand they do pick the theme each year. Um, And the subject this year was just imagine a world without boundaries. And here's what past president Dave Bruns told us about your speech. Because of his enthusiasm and the fact that... uh, Although he recognizes that uh, perhaps uh, boundaries can be a bad thing, he also recognizes that we need boundaries as well. And so his speech really uh, stood out uh, in that regard. And that is Dave Bruns. He's the past president of Optimist International. I have to admit, after Dave told us this, I had to go see the speech for myself. I was so stunned. It seems so counterintuitive. You actually made somewhat of a pro-boundary argument. What, what made you decide to take that tack? So <laughs> I, I thought I spent some time thinking about this before I wrote it. And one definite thing is that I know that I felt that this is this was just a, to me, it seemed like a trick question in the fact that it was trying to get people to support the opinion. And I knew that, you know, I wanted this to be different. And if I did support it, I would try to do it in a different way. But then I thought about it really hard and. I, I say in my speech, like, you know, looking back on my history as a as an African-American person, there are so many hardships that our community is going through back then, even now. And I think about it, and, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get to the point where we were had it not been for the boundaries to make us take action, like for the civil rights movement. Um, we weren't, you know, no one was going to do anything about it. It was a problem that no one was going to do, you know. It was just going to be something that people left to how it was. But you had people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who stepped up and said, we need to overcome this boundary and it progressed us in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought about this and I'm like, you know, yes, definitely they are. I don't think, you know, boundaries are this, you know, all positive thing in the world that we need. But that we need to like experience all the time. But if we want to progress, we need to establish that there are boundaries and that we need to overcome them. And they make us better in the end. 
Yeah, I mean, you can you, only you, progress by overcoming that. Yeah, you really made a compelling argument, and obviously, you're you're an excellent speech maker. I mean, your technique is great, but I was just really impressed that you didn't you didn't just take the easy way out of spouting cliches. You were really kind of grappling with that argument. Is that pretty typical for how you approach these? You're trying to find a different way in at at what seems like a pretty obvious the answer they want you to land on. Oh yeah. I always try to look for the hardest way. I make things difficult for myself all the time because, you know, I I think it, I think of it as a challenge, and not only as a challenge for me to see like how far I can take a subject or how far I can like go with a topic, but I think there is there is a, a you know, for me there's a pride in knowing that I didn't just take the easy way or knowing that I didn't just go with the flow. Because in the end, it feels so much better for me, and it feels so much better when I get to share it with other people because I know that I've put my time and effort into this thing that I've created. And I just, I, I always feel the most success for myself knowing that I've done something that not someone else could easily do. Hmm. You know, it's different. It's something that leaves a mark knowing that I, I was the one who did it. And I don't know, I just, I love, I love making sure that I, I don't, you know, get too complacent with where I'm at and try to always push myself to go beyond my abilities. Hmm. Well, so speaking of doing something that, that not everybody can do, you gave this whole speech without notes, and yet you never seemed stuck for words once. I was blown away by that. How much preparation do you have to do for a speech of, of this kind of length? Um, I mean, typically... I have to memorize speeches up to uh, to eight or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So this is this is something that was only five minutes. So I was able to memorize this pretty fast. But um, honestly, once you've memorized it and you take time to look at it, I'd probably say maybe uh, uh, like four or five days. Hmm. Um, you can get to the point where not only do you memorize it, but you feel the words. I try to make sure that. I'm not just, you don't want to just say it towards people. You want to make sure that you're inspiring others to feel the words that you're saying. So it's not, for me, it's not only just making sure I don't have no cards. It's making sure that I give the right intonations, making sure that I put the right inflections on certain vowels or something like that or certain words so I can make sure that they hit a certain way. Hmm. Well, I know that you're a huge exception to this, but uh, public speaking does feel almost like a lost art these days. You know, we're all texting and, and we're sending each other emails and, and we don't necessarily have these these large opportunities the way, you know, the Lincoln-Douglas debates. But uh, we talked to Dave Bruns, again, the past president of Optimist International, and he told us why he thinks it's important to support this skill even in this age we're in. Well, Optimist International's conducted uh, the oratorical contest since uh, 1928, and of course, over the years, it's advanced, and, and this year it was done all through uh, live streaming, but uh, we feel that it is very important to uh, have students uh, know the importance of public speaking, whether it's for a job interview, whether it's to make presentations in class, uh, to make presentations uh, out in the uh, the real world as, uh, as they go forward. And we think that public speaking sometimes is a lost art because uh, sometimes it is more conversational, but it's also uh, important to be able to take a position and to advocate uh, in support of that position. And that's what oration is all about. 
And that's Dave Bruns of Optimist International. And it's worth noting, uh, the organization has hosted these speech competitions for 100 years almost at this point, but it's only been doing the World Championship. It added that in 2016. So this is the fifth one, and Jalen is the first St. Louis area winner. Quite a coup for St. Louis here. Um, But Jalen, you know, you just seem so at ease giving this speech and and so well-prepared. So many adults are so terrified of giving speeches. What would be your number (laughs) one piece of advice for somebody who would rather walk a plank than have to give a speech like this extemporaneously? I'd say the most important thing to do, one, breathe. (laughs) (laughs) That's huge. (laughs) That's a a big thing. You know, it, it doesn't matter doesn't matter how far you get in public speaking or anything that you do with presenting something, you're always going to feel nervous. But you need to take, it all starts with that first breath. Mm-hmm. And then second, most importantly, um, if you feel, you need to make sure that you need to have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself, is what I'm saying, is the words, are the words that are coming out my mouth right now, do I believe them myself? Hmm. And if you can honestly say that I believe what I'm saying, no matter how un- at ease, you know, you're not, you're not feeling well about it or, you know, you might be a little nervous. Once you start talking, it'll all melt away and you'll start realizing that you're talking about something that you've prepared, something that you've written, something that you've looked at and probably read over and over again. And it'll just come out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, one, breathe. And two, make sure that you believe what you're saying, because if you believe what you're saying, people will believe you. Well, that's some great advice, and, and certainly it works when you do it. So I guess we'll, we'll take that lesson there from you. Uh, <laughs> last question here. You're headed off to college this fall. Uh, where are you going, and, and what are your plans when you're there? I'm going to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and I plan to major in acting and soon double major in communications. So you'll stay involved with speech as, as you're there? Yes. Well, I, I have a feeling there's going to be even more money in your future. So, uh, Jalen Mutchison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.